0: Alright, well here we go. We're going to have some awesome testimonies. Now some of, the, some of the people whose testimonies you're going to hear today are too little to testify for themselves, so we've asked others to testify with them. So you might hear someone talking as if they're someone else. That's because the story belongs to the person, not necessarily to the teller. And we want to make sure that God gets all the glory through all of His little people, okay? Alright, so let's get started. Our first um, testimony today is going to be Rosie Molina. Rosie, come on up you know i didn't say this to everyone so let me say to everyone that's going to speak this needs to be close to your mouth okay if you're a hand talker talk with this hand all right okay rosie here you go god bless
1: um Um, I'm 15 and we, I'm like the oldest of six kids. We have two foster kids and one's adopted. We've been doing this for three or four years now. And I I really enjoy it because I really like having the little kids and I like being able to help out and take care of people that, that wouldn't have a home otherwise, that wouldn't they wouldn't get to feel loved, or maybe they wouldn't get to learn about God, and I really enjoy that feeling, and I feel like I'm helping out. Because um, I've heard some people say that they shouldn't be foster parents because they don't want to take away from their kids, but I don't feel like I'm losing anything. I feel like I'm gaining something. Like, I get the experience of taking care of little kids, obviously, and... I get to be a part of something bigger. I get to make sure these kids feel loved, and it's it's a great feeling. I really like it. And I mean, I've got to have some things. Like sometimes I don't get to watch a movie all the way through, sometimes or do everything I want to do. But but in the end, I feel like it's always worth it, cause. Because if kids don't get taken care of, sometimes they go to places like a juvenile correctional facility, and there's kids as little as newborns there. And, I mean, they can only stay there for six months, but the first six months of their lives are spent with nobody holding them, and nobody nobody tucks them in at night. Nobody, nobody really cares. They just lay there by themselves. And when we take a kid into our house, they don't have to spend a night there. We get to take care of them. And... They don't have to be like, well, nobody wants me, and they don't have to have that feeling, cause we want them. And I wish we could take more kids. I really do. I really enjoy it. I like having all these kids at our house all the time. It is crazy sometimes, but it's fun. I like it a lot. Uh, but it's, yeah, not that much.
0: Good job. I'm so proud of you. I think I am going to cry. Their family is so awesome. There's uh, Rosie, Banana, Matthew, three biological children, right? Israel adopted, and then two foster children that, that you guys have been caring for for quite a while, right? And they're hoping to be able to adopt them as well. Praise God. How awesome! Just wonderful. Is Caleb Caleb ready to go? Oh, Caleb Green. This is Caleb Green. He's one of... You ready to go? Okay. Can you hold your paper and hold this together?
2: Yeah. Um, My testimony says that there are orphans in the world that need our help. Um, We have got to help them. We have got to pitch in everything we've got for God because he did not make them to be alone. Psalms 82, verse 3, says to defend the poor and fatherless and do justice to the afflicted and needy. Exodus 22, verse 22, says you must not mistreat a widow or a fatherless child. If you do, they'll cry to God and he will hear their cry. God is telling us to help them. You should not be afraid to use your voice for God. God gave you a voice for that purpose. God wants us to help people who don't have a voice. God loves the orphans. He created he created them in his image. I once was an orphan myself. I was born in Liberia, West Africa and lived several years there. I don't even know my real birth date. They don't keep track of that sort of stuff in a bush of Africa. They just try to survive. I have a heart for the orphan. I know how it feels not to get enough to eat or enough love or enough fun. And I just wanted so badly for a mom and a dad to love me. I wanted a mom to hold me when I cried, and most of all I wanted a mom and a dad to give me a hug. I would cry at night for love in the orphanage. God heard my cry and came to help me. He saw how long he saw how I was being treated and how lonely and angry I was. He did not like it. He sent my mom and dad to get me and my sister Madison and bring us home from around the world. Nothing is too hard for God. Psalms Psalms 139 tells us who we are and who we are made for. We are made for glory. Orphans were not made for the dumps or for the garbage. They are made for God. God loves them just like he loves you and I. But he needs you all to be his hands and feet to go get them and bring them to your families like my mom and dad did. Psalms 2 verse 7 says, He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. My dad says the same thing. He adopted me and made me his son forever. I haven't been the easiest child, but mom and dad have never given up on me, just like God never gives up on you. You should help the orphan by sending them food or money and making them part of your family. They are counting on you.
3: Well, I'm done.
0: Stay here. Hey, wait, wait. Stay here a minute, Caleb. Stay up for just a minute. You know you're a good boy? Yeah. Everybody just reach your hand up here, please. Father, in the name of Lord Jesus, we are so blessed to know Caleb. We're so grateful for having him in our family, Lord, our big church family, and in the Green family. And we just pray against any device of the enemy that would try to undo the good work that you're doing in Caleb's life. And even maybe more importantly, Lord, the powerful work that you have to do through Caleb in your kingdom. Because Caleb is an awesome, awesome good boy. And I know from heaven when you look at Caleb, you smile so big. We just pray for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Caleb, I'm telling you, you are just a good boy. All right, get off the stage, you. You did a great job, Caleb. Katie, this is Katie Hamline. I had the honor of marrying her and her husband, Thomas. There you go. Yeah.
4: All right. Um, uh, my biological brother is 18 months older than I am. And um, because he was born before I was, he was placed into a foster home due to... Uh, our real parents just not taking very good care of us. And uh, by the time I came along, my parents didn't really have another option, so they just put me into a foster home with my dad and mom. And uh, by the time that we, I was maybe six months old, my dad had decided to adopt us because he wanted my brother and I to stay together. Um, but then I want to say maybe about the time that I was four or five-ish, My adopted mom had left, like uh, my parents had got divorced. Um, I don't really know the reasoning behind it, but it's just the way things happen, I guess, sometimes. But um, they got divorced and my mom, we had visitation rights and everybody got to see each other between my sisters and everybody. And uh, I went, our meeting ground was like a McDonald's. And uh, we went to McDonald's to get to go to my mom's for the weekend and uh Mom just didn 't show up. Um, Mom had moved with my sister and her new husband down to Texas and didn 't tell any of us and I gotta say that there just there's so much anger in that, so much anger, and just not only just your birth parents not even being able to take care of you but other people just walking away and walking away and being so young you don 't understand that you just you, you just yeah. <laughs> You get, you just get angry and not at just yourself, but I got angry at my dad who stood there and said, I'm here. You know, it doesn't matter. And remember when I would just go through my fits and he, I would get mad at him. He'd say, Katie, you kids are all I have and you, and I'm all you have. So we don't really have an option in not figuring this out. So let's, let's do this. Okay. And then as I got older, Um, I would come to him with my problems, whether my problems were like through 10 steps of being disobedient and doing the wrong things. I always came to him and told him and he said, well, Katie, we'll get through this. We always do. And in that instant, my problems didn't become mine, but they became somebody else's. And I knew that somebody cared and through all the hardship and anger, just knowing that one person is there and one person cares is enough. And I kind of was thinking about the people that don't know God and the people that walk away from God and how that they don't understand that kind of love. And I don't—I really don't blame the people that weren't shown the kind of love that I have for not believing. How could you believe that someone would take your problems as their own? Someone would love you no matter what you did. It just... No. i just i don't but seeing that love i now get it and i'm now can, capable of telling other people about it and i just i think more people need to be told and it just that it just takes one person
0: Good, great. Good job. I'm honestly so humbled to be here and see what God's done and all these wonderful people that have just submitted their lives to the Lord so that a child's problem would be their problem. Just like the Lord, he says, cast your cares upon me. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. All right, next we have McKenna Green going to come up, and she's actually going to share on behalf of her little sister. Okay. Now, do you want me to help you hold anything? Can I help you a little bit? There you go. We need to talk, talk in this one.
3: Um, my family adopted a baby girl named Selah two years ago. She was a testimony and changed lots of people's lives. She didn't have a brain, but God gave her a family anyway. A lot of people liked to hold her because she was so cute and sweet. She lived only 55 days, and we had a birthday party for her when she died. And went to heaven. She got a new body in heaven. Lots of people made her hats because she was always cold. She loved to wear headbands too. We like to make up pictures. When we take a new family photo, we hold a picture in a frame. She died two years ago, but she will always be my sister. She made me so happy. She made me want to be a missionary when I grow up. I want to hold sick babies until they go see Jesus. She taught me how to love so well. Every baby needs love and every baby needs a family. She changed my life forever. I'm glad mom mom and dad said she could be my sister.
0: There's a picture of baby Selah up here if you couldn't see. Baby Selah lived 55 days, is that right? Did you want to pass? What did you want to do with those?
3: And these are some of the hats that Sailor wore. Aww.
0: Beautiful. Yay. So, um, Sailor lived 55 days, was born with no brain. If you ever feel like God can't use your life, You have to know that there's nothing that God can't use. Selah, the doctors in the hospital, gave the Greens a hard time because they said, why would you adopt this one? This one can't do anything, it can't say anything, it's only going to live just a little short while. Like, why don't you pick a different one? And their answer is the same answer every single time because... Every child deserves a family. It doesn't matter whether they have a brain or don't have a brain, whether they'll ever be able to talk or they'll be president of the United States someday. Every child deserves a family. Turns out, Selah's mom was a Muslim, and the witness of the people taking her child when she had given her up for adoption because she knew that she was, you know, in, in the world's mind flawed, that the witness of that caused her to come to know Jesus, to turn away from Islam. And they found her a church family and plugged her in in the Detroit area. And the, the testimony of Selah is every place. If you went to Ann Arbor, to the University of Michigan Hospital, and you asked enough people, you would hear the testimony of Selah because she lives in the testimony of Jesus through her life in so many places. McKenna, you did an awesome job. Thank you. Shane, Secroth and Becca? going to come and share with us about
5: isaiah pat uh, asked me earlier this week to uh to represent isaiah and um there will be some there's a picture of him um and he uh he said would you do it and i'm like well sure and he mentioned something about becca helping me out and i thought wow she's a lot prettier look at than me so i'll take that deal okay um <laughs> thanks everyone <clears throat> I'm going to speak as if I was Isaiah, just so you, when you hear the I, um, I was, I was conceived in a gang rape and born June 30th, 2008. I was born with a cleft lip and palate and addicted to drugs and the family that was lined up to adopt me back out due to those circumstances. So I had no family.
6: Within the first few hours after I was born, I started turning blue and was transferred to U of M. I'm not going to make it. At that point, they did an MRI and found out that I had a brain hemorrhage or a stroke. It affected a quarter of my brain, and they said I would be paralyzed and blind on my left side. They said that I would be mentally impaired as well.
5: So now the social worker is going to work to try to find me a home, and not only do I have a cleft lip, palate, and addicted to drugs, I now have a stroke. And just lost a large portion of my brain. The prognosis is not good. So the social worker emails my now family and calls them. Because she knows that there's a family out there that cares. And that wants to take care of any baby. So she calls them. Goes through my history. I'm conceived in a gang rape. I've got a cleft lip and palate. um, Addicted to drugs. A stroke. And after praying mom and dad decide that they will take me and immediately start praying for me. They immediately start praying that God can rewire my brain, can start fixing uh, every problem that I'm going to have. Um, My birth mom and grandma uh, reportedly came to the hospital and visited me once and named me Andrew. And as soon as my parents now, adoptive parents, were able to change my name, they changed my name to Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah means, where's this at? Um, Isaiah Isaiah means the Lord helps me And the salvation of God My middle name is Jason Which means healed And they kept Andrew in my name Which means man warrior So if you put it all together The Lord helps me Salvation of God Healed And man warrior And I think When you look at Isaiah That definitely describes who he is
6: I was in the NICU at U of M for two weeks. Because of all the paperwork, because all of the paperwork was not finalized, the director at the time of my adoption agency took me home and took care of me for six weeks until all the paperwork was ready. My mom and dad, Ben and Kim, visited me weekly until I could finally and legally go home to be with them. That day, which the Greens call their gotcha day. Um, Tim and Claudia, the directors of the adoption agency, took, um, took me home with all of my things. They all prayed over me. And then the final handoff was made. Goodness. I was theirs, and they were mine forever. I had many surgeries. I had a cleft lip repair, cleft palate repair, adenoids and tonsils out, three eye surgeries. He still needs healing with his tear ducts, um, and many other tests and procedures. We've gotten to know many of the professionals at the hospital during my cleft lip repair at four months old. We befriended an anesthesiologist during a surgery delay. and She was so touched by me and our family that she ended up donating a freezer full of breast milk to me, as did her sister. Now Isaiah is all caught up he turned four in June. He's not paralyzed or blind. He's not mentally impaired. He walks, he talks, he's smart, and he's potty trained, which they say is a miracle. It It's such a, a blessing for us to, I mean, even whenever we've had the privilege of spending time in the children's church with the kids, I love Isaiah so much, he has the biggest smile. And when I picture him in my head, I see his big smiles and his, his eyes even smile. It's just, it's the sweetest thing. And a lot of times, you know, people, oh, people think he's sleepy. You know, what could you No. Yes. He's such a sweetheart. I mean, there's so many ways to help. It, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, adopting or fostering a child. And, you know, if God calls you to do that, what an honor, what an honor. But even donating breast milk, um, you know, helping provide dinners whenever a child is having a surgery, just bearing the burden with them. That's, that's the biggest thing. in children all over I work at Hurley in the NICU and there's babies every day that I go to work that for whatever reason they're not going to be able to go home with their birth parents or the birth parents decide to give them up for adoption and they have really serious problems and it's easy to I don't want to say it's not easy but I we just need to support families
0: If you know Isaiah, if you ever see Isaiah, except for right now, he seems to be a little sleepy, you never see this guy without a huge smile on his face. I mean, this huge, infectious, whole face lights up smile. And I thought whenever the surgeons fixed his, uh, his lip, that they sewed this smile. I, seriously, like I think they made the threads too tight on the ends or something, and he couldn't help but smile. But if you put, put the first picture back, would you please? He had it all along. He's just a smiling, happy guy. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Well, Teresa, I'm going to make you a trade. Maybe you could send Annika up and I'll give you Isaiah. Hey, Isaiah, do you want to say hi to all these people? Not so much? Okay. All right. Here, Miss Teresa going to help you down. Okay, buddy? There you go. Man, I'm telling you what. Okay, where's Annika. Oh there you are, come on up, sweetheart. You mind if I sit with you while you do your testimony? Here you go. Um Hey, just a minute, just in case you can't tell because we look so much alike, this is my and Teresa's daughter.
2: I'm Annika, and I was born in Cambodia. I lived in an orphanage because I was told my parents were dead. <laughs> you want, help you?
0: Huh? want me to help you? Okay. Huh? Annika was orphaned as an infant in Cambodia, and she uh, was put in an orphanage by someone from her village. And uh, they told her that her mom and dad were both dead. Um, We really don't know for sure what happened to them. And a family from America, actually from Fenton, adopted her at age three. And um, they're to really be um, honored because... At the time they started the adoption, it was legitimate to uh, adopt from Cambodia. And then as that process went on, the United States, because there was so much corruption in Cambodia, the Cambodian government and the American government decided that no more children were going to leave Cambodia for adoption in America. And they literally had to fight two governments to get Annika out of Cambodia. Um, They were her family. They brought her to Fenton. They lived in Fenton for a little while, and then they moved to New Zealand, and they were her family for six years. And then for whatever reason, they decided to do what's called a disruption of an adoption and told Annika that she wasn't going to continue to be in their family. And that's when um, we came to pray, uh, Ben and Kim Green, Annika lived here for about six months with the Greens on what they call respite. So we got to know her when she was here uh, with Ben and Kim for those six months. And they said that the, her previous family wasn't going to keep her anymore, and, and they were asked to take her, but they made a promise to their oldest children that they would always be the oldest brother and sister. And Annika's a little older than the older sister. Otherwise, she might be standing up here with Ben and Kim instead of Pat and Teresa. Um, they asked us to pray, and the Lord just overwhelmed us. I mean, once we said yes, it was like she was conceived in Teresa's womb. So then uh, we adopted her, and she's come to live with us, and she's been the most amazing blessing that we could ever have in our lives. Okay, oh, yeah. Um, she wanted to also say that um, she was very angry when her first adoptive family decided not to keep her in their family but that since that she's come to know jesus so well that he has healed her heart and that she's delivered from any anger and that she really does love her first adoptive family very much and still has a relationship with them Um, she's got a brother and a sister from that family still that she stays in communication with and all that kind of stuff she also wanted to make you know that god is the one that causes these adoptions to happen, and there's a testimony from her mom that she wants to, Teresa to share.
7: Yeah, God is good, Amen. Um, two years to be prior to us even knowing about Annika. Um, well, let me give you the front, the beginning of the story. Um, I was. Scheduled to speak one Sunday, and I was looking through my past journals just for something that um, I don't even remember what it was. And I came across an entry, and it was in November of 2008 or 2000, and, yeah, 2008, I believe. And it was an entry about I had a dream, and I just recorded the dream that I was pregnant, and when I gave birth to the child. It wasn't a baby. It was a little girl. And the little girl had dark skin and dark hair and dark eyes. And my first thought in the dream was, oh, my gosh, what's Pat going to say? He's never going to believe this is his child. (laughs) But, see, that's how God works. Even though Annika was adopted first by a family that rescued her from Cambodia, he was already two years prior to her disruption Preparing our heart through a dream, which I didn't make the connection until we went to New Zealand and brought her home that November, the following, like two years exactly, when I found it in my journal. When I read it, when I looked at her, I realized she was the little girl. So God was already preparing our hearts. So pay attention to your dreams, pay attention to your visions even though you don't understand what they mean at the time and you just pass them off as, I must have ate something funny that night. Um, we had two grown sons. We were both turning 50, or both had turned 50. Adoption was the furthest thing from our mind, but not God's mind. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah. Hey, I just want to say one word, too, about it's unusual. Can you imagine... Um, what would be the social stigma of adopting a child and then giving that child back, saying, I don't want that child anymore. And you have to be careful that you don't let any kind of yuck get in your hearts because once Annika came to live with us, we went to this conference in Traverse City that every Assemblies of God pastor in the state was invited to. So there were probably 300 pastors and pastors' wives at this thing. And um, through the moving of the Holy Spirit, Every one of them prayed, like there was this massive prayer that prayed over Annika. It was just a few months after she'd come to live with us. And after that prayer, three people separately came up and said, I think the Lord has given me a word for your daughter. Is it okay if I share? And we said, yes. And each one of them independently said exactly the same thing. They said, sweetheart, the Lord has given you a voice. Sweetheart, the Lord has given you a voice. Sweetheart, the Lord has given you a voice, which was really cool because none of them had talked to each other. So maybe a week or two later, we went to a conference in Canada where these really powerful um, Christian speakers were there. Many of you are familiar with Bill Johnson and John and Carol Arnott, and there's a lady who ministers all over the world there um, who has a very strong prophetic gifting. And we had every one of them lay hands on Anna and pray for her. When that lady... Um, Patricia Butzema is her name, was about to pray for Annika. She was sitting with her almost like we are right now. And as she started to pray, she stopped and she said, Sweetheart, the Lord is speaking to me about you. He wants you to know that he's given you a voice. So here's our theory as to why Annika is with us. In 2000 or 2003 or whenever her first family went to Cambodia to get her out, we would have never It wouldn't have happened. We hadn't gotten to that place in our walk with the Lord yet, but they were like pit bulls, absolutely tenacious to get her from Cambodia to here, but they weren't likely the family that was going to steward this voice that God has given her. They weren't the ones that would have Bill Johnson laying hands on her. John and Carol are not laying hands on her. Every place we go, we have people lay hands on her and pray for her. and, And we feel like it's a stewardship gift that God's given us with this. We don't even know what the voice is. Maybe it's a singing voice or a prophetic voice or a preaching voice. Who knows? But I don't think that that. I do think that God believed that we would steward that properly. So in his scheme of life, those poor people got the short end of the deal because he had to do something to to, to stir that up and cause it to change that caused that Family to break up a little bit that we've never seen in Annika, not one bit. So before you get bitter in your heart about that situation, I would say, God bless that family that had the hard job to do. It's easy to receive Annika, man. That's no problem at all. But to give her up, I can't even imagine. Yay, amen. No, all right. Can I have a? i got to usually work a little harder than that to get a kiss. That was pretty awesome. (laughs) All right, I don't have my thing. I don't even know who's next. Oh, Teresa's next. Well, that's easy. You can have the chair.
7: This is Josiah. Can everybody say hi, Josiah?
0: We have a picture.
7: He is going to blow bubbles for us, so he's good at that. Josiah Green, I'm going to share first the dream that Kim had. And this was back in April, April 3rd. Pay attention to the date. She says, two weeks ago I had a very vivid dream. I was at a hospital and was told to go to a different set of elevators than I had intended I got in and there was an elevator attendant in this elevator and only special people could use this elevator. And no one could use it without the elevator attendant. He let me off at the fourth floor and I was told to go to bays three and four. I walked in and saw a beautiful Caucasian baby boy laying there on his right side with something wrong with his mouth waiting for me. Because of that dream, I was anticipating God to show us our next child. On April 3rd or 4th, sure enough, in the afternoon on April 3rd, I got an email saying this referral agency was looking for a family, a special baby, for a special baby about to be born. Within 10 minutes of reading it, two more friends had forwarded the same email to me. Knowing also he was ours, I called the agency and Ben and talked, and we decided that if we didn't say yes after a dream like that, we'd be in disobedience. So we said yes. We submitted a letter to his birth parents, and they liked us right away, and we had a phone conference soon after where things were finally finalized. The mother, Josiah's birth mother, delivered extremely fast in the middle of the night on May 2nd, and he was born at 1.42 a.m which is another significant time for us for other reasons. You'll have to ask Kim. I don't remember what that is. We received a call that morning telling us, and by noon, I, Kim, was in the car and on my way to meet him. It's back to the dream. He was born on April 3rd, was in Bay number 3, when I got there, in his pod of four. He was white. He had a tube in his mouth at that time to help him eat before they put it in his nose. He was a big baby weighing 8 pounds. He was alone. Birth mom had delivered at a different hospital. The front of Akron Children's Hospital was exactly like I saw it in the dream. So Josiah's history, he is the third baby boy born to his birth mom that she delivered in three years. They were all born with this rare genetic disorder called Cask syndrome, which affects the central nervous system. The first brother, Adam, lived only two weeks. The second brother, Connor, lived 14 months and died just two months before Josiah was born. Both birth parents are in their early 20s, Mom was also adopted as a child. He was hospitalized only three weeks, which was a wonderful surprise because we were expecting much longer based on their prior experiences. Josiah's light life has shown bright in the, in the NICU because of the value that the Greens placed on him. We drove several times to visit him. Called multiple times a day. We took all the kids. The Greens have 12 children, including Josiah. They took all the kids. We took all the kids to visit their brother as well. And during that visit, a neonatologist—thank you, thank you, Becca—asked Benjamin and Kaya what they thought of taking home such a special baby. Benjamin said, "He's like a drink." and we are the cup holders. Our job is just to hold the drink and enjoy it. The doctor was floored with such a deep response. As I left the hospital with Josiah, the head of the NICU stopped me in the hallway and said that he's only met a few people like us, and he thanked me and my husband. He gave me a hug, and he told me he'd be praying for us every night. He thanked us for giving him a family. Josiah is visited every week. This is current. He is visited every week by a hospice nurse to monitor him. He is also seen at U of M to help manage his seizures. We don't know how long. Actually, Josiah just celebrated his um, six-month birthday, which is a miracle in itself. We don't know how long Josiah will be with us, but Josiah has a a forever family. I told Kim that just like Selah, Josiah has shown me beauty in the suffering. I'm thankful that we don't believe he's suffering, but that we get to do the suffering for him, that he's shown me beauty in the midst of suffering but most of all that he's shown me love in the midst of suffering. Every child, no matter what the circumstance, deserves a forever family. Whatever their circumstance of conception was, whatever their circumstance of birth is, every child deserves to have somebody hold them and just love them. Even if they can't respond, Josiah doesn't have much of a response. He smiles every now and then. He does respond to Kim's voice, so that's awesome. Yeah. Amen.
0: I think we should pray for him. Yeah. Do you want a prayer? I, I just think feel like somebody might have a, a real burden. Is it you? Yeah. Okay. Let's pray for him.
7: Okay. Um before I pray, I, I had a dream or a vision, not a dream. I had a vision, an open vision of actually a setting like this where I'm holding Josiah. And Josiah has multiple seizures. He's probably had a couple just with us sitting here. Um, but I had a, a vision of a setting just like this where in order for your hearts to really connect with who he is, I saw each one of you that don't know him holding him so that you could connect with his little heart and really see that he is a real little person, a real little life. So, Father, I thank you for that vision that you gave me. Lord, I pray right now, I just thank you for this gift, this gift of life that you are teaching us to to love in a way that you designed us to love. God, that we wouldn't look and be repulsed. We wouldn't look and be fearful. We would just see each person, whether a newborn or an old age, as precious, as a precious life. And Father, I just thank you right now for Josiah. I thank you for what he has meant to this family, to the Green family, God, I pray that the seizures that he has continuously, Lord, we know that you can rewire everything. We've seen you do it with with Isaiah. God, we ask that there just be a rewiring in his brain, that his central nervous system would be connected as you designed. And we just call heaven down to earth to manifest in Josiah's body. God, I thank you that when you look at him, you see perfection. God, help us to see through your eyes and that we will move and be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. I look at that guy's face and it just, I don't know what it is looking at him. I just feel so much like Jesus is there. His big eyes, he's blind. He can't see anything, but his eyes are open so big and beautiful. Man. Praise you, Jesus. Okay, next one is uh, Ken Hill and Noah Green. It looks like you're gonna need my help. I mean big Noah and little Noah. All
8: right. When I was asked to do this, I was asked to do it as Noah.
0: So hang on, you need a microphone.
8: I will grab the microphone, but you need me to help you? Nope, I'm good to go. I was asked to do it as Noah. I have been a wreck ever since. Um, this is this is the only way I thought I might be able to get through this. Noah's going to help me hold the microphone, obviously. And I was born Ethan. And at six months, it was diagnosed that I had AVSD, which is atrioventricular septal defect, a deficiency of the artery. Atrioventricular septum of the heart. At seven months, I was diagnosed with Down syndrome. Nine out of 10 babies, when diagnosed that early, are aborted. I slide number, yep, slide number one. Since my mother had already had my birth mother had already had a history of abortion, it's pretty certain that I would have been aborted as well. The out-of-state adoption agency had a family picked out. When I, We're going to eat the book. When I was born, they backed out. So the adoption agency found another family, and they backed out too. Their agency couldn't find a family to take an African baby with a serious heart defect and Down syndrome. And that SOS call was went out went out to other agencies looking for a family to take me. One agency contacted our agency was contacted the Christian Family Services, or as we call them, our agency. Right? The agency working with my birth family was asking for ten thousand dollars in fees, which mom and dad just didn't have. But what they did have was the favor of God. After praying about it, mom said God, God told her to ask them for $6,000 in fees. This is not the norm with adoption agencies. The agency wasn't a Christian organization, but God can do miracles. God moved their heart, and they agreed. The next morning, slide two, mom and dad emptied their hearts, their bank account, and were holding me within a few hours in a Detroit hospital. So mom and dad named me Noah Justice Ethan Green. Noah meaning peaceful. Justice meaning deliver what is just. Ethan was my birth name, meaning long-lived and wisdom. Slide three. I am adoption number 12 for, for my family. Twelve. Uh! Somehow, my brothers and sisters call me Oaks or Oaksy. I like to think it's because I'm going to be big and strong like an oak tree. Next slide. There you go. Nice. On this slide, I'm officially named a green. We signed the papers in some real big fancy office. We all had to take baths and put on clean clothes, but it was still pretty fun. I'm a green. Woohoo! Next slide, please. 11 brothers and sisters. That's a lot of people to play with. Also, that's a lot of dirty socks, a lot of food, a lot of shoes. Oh yeah, that smell isn't me, I think it was Parker. (laughs) With a family so big, you'd be surprised at how much time we spend together. Playing, praying, reading, trips to museums, hiking, camping, you're never alone when you're in the Greens house whether you want to be or not. Next slide. Dad and I getting some alone time to look up into heaven. I remember thinking, God. Please let me know you like my daddy does. Next slide. Every day is special in our house. Birthdays are the best. I even got my own cake. I love cake. Then it came time for my first haircut. I thought, wait. What if my power and strength come from my hair like that old guy, Samson? Then I remembered my buddies, Mr. Ken, and the pastor dude has no hair. How bad could it be? Here's me praying the next slide. Oh, God, I'll get the haircut, but please let it grow back unlike those other two guys. Yeah. Next slide, please. Did I mention I love nummies? I love to eat. Uh, On to the next slide. This is me and Josiah. It's my job to show the newbie the ropes in the greenhouse. It's kind of like we consider it orientation. I just told him that Caleb makes me laugh. (laughs) Yeah. Can you say next slide? (laughs) Don't eat it. This is our family. Mom and dad teach the living stones at church. And we all love, to go, love going to church on the street, even though we have to put on clean socks. God has brought our family together. We are all different. We all have something that makes us special, the love of God. This is a special note that... This is where it's going to get tough. Kim wanted me to make sure that I shared this with you guys. The morning the birth parents went to court to sign away my their rights to me, the agency asked them if they wanted to see a picture of me or our family. The dad did, but not the mom. She also never held me after I was born. They did not want any contact with me. And only wanted to know If I died. Last slide, please. With that, I'm going to share this. We don't need that anymore, do we? For my mother and father have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. I'm alive. I am loved. And I have family. Thank you, Jesus.
7: Did you, blow kisses?
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, we don't want to be using that one for communion now. Here, I just stepped on it. <laughs> All right. Hey, I just want to tell a quick... Another quick green testimony. We I mentioned um there's twelve of them. Claire. And I'm not gonna get this exactly right, but Kim had a dream. And in in this dream, she was walking like down an alley or something, and she came upon this cement wall. And the cement wall had this word written on it, and the word was K-L-A-I-R-E. So she woke up in the morning and she started praying. She said, Lord, I don't know. Cause the Lord speaks to her in dreams. Lord, I don't know what that dream meant. What does that mean? Well, they had been contemplating. They'd seen this, you know, they're like the family that gets called when nobody else will adopt somebody. And they knew of this little girl in Washington that was Chinese adopted by a family. And they were going to disrupt that adoption that was going to need a family. And they were praying, Lord, should we be the family or not? And, uh, So she starts asking the Lord about this dream. She's like, Lord, I don't know what this means. And then the very next day, she finds out that the little girl that they've been praying about's name is Claire, but not spelled the way Claire is typically spelled, spelled with a K, L-A-I-R-E. So the Lord confirmed for her that that was to be their child. And man, I I might get this one mixed up, but I think it was Claire as well. The adoption was $5,000 and their money was all gone. They didn't have any money at all. But as soon as they said yes to adopt Claire, within 48 hours from Kansas City, Missouri, of all places, $5,000 showed up by God's hand to pay for the adoption. Is that awesome? Man, I'm telling you, if, if we walk in God's will, he, he's the one that says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided unto you. And there's just so many good testimonies. All right, um, Steve Riley. Well, there you are. All right.
9: There you go. God bless you. Um, I was in Chicago when I got a call from pastor and he says, um, I'd like you to do something for me. Well, a long time ago when I, uh, I was raised by a um, non-denominational uh, circuit pastor, which was my grandfather. And he taught me at a very young age that you, if you believe that person um, is anointed by God, then you definitely um, will never not lift your hand to them. And when Pastor called me, he says, "Will you do something for me?" And I said, "Well, absolutely." Before I before he said the whole thing, I agreed to something. So he asked me to to speak here, and, and I'm in a crowd of of, uh, business people at the time when I took the call. So I said, yeah. And I still have an old flip phone. I closed that thing and said, what did I do? <laughs> and so I am probably the most, uh, least deserving person to be standing here today. But, uh, I'm not going to take you down the road, um, because some of you have been down the road in some of the testimonies that I've been, and each story is unique. I am, uh, And emotionally, I think you've all, um, if you didn't have any emotion out of today's service, then you need to go get checked. Um, So I'm going to take you down a different road. There are people here, and that's why I asked to go last, to to see which way everybody went. There are people here who have children. There are people here who don't. There are people here who may think you... um, in my situation, when I was a teenager, when I was um, in 11th grade, I broke up with a girl because she wanted six kids. I wanted zero. Um, I met her at our high school re- reunion, and guess who has six kids, and she only has one. Um, so so God can take you a lot of different ways. And so uh, my my plea to you today would be that maybe being a an adopted parent is not the right thing for you. Um, maybe not being a foster parent, which is what I started out being um, is not the definite road for you because in your walk with God, you'll go through seasons, seasons do change um, but you can do and i'm I'm gonna take it from a male standpoint, gentlemen, you can find families. All over this church, who would give anything for you to say? Hey, you know what? Let's go over to their house and take care of their kids for a while, so they can go out on a date. So that they can have just a few hours at a movie theater. You can do things like that. You don't have to go down the road that we have taken. Um, and we're God, but but if I if I could plead to you one thing, keep your mind open and your heart open. Let God lead you which way you want to go. Uh, there are many. Uh, let me give you a for instance. When I first got into this, thank God I had um, four girls at the time. So there were always girl clothes. But, if, but if a, when we were on call, if a boy came in, we didn't have the clothes. Now, eventually, through family and whatever, that happened. So there's an outreach for you. Go to the Salvation Army, whatever, and pick up some boy clothes and take it to a, a foster family that does this. Because we've had them in our home for as little as three or four hours, um, two permanently now. I have two permanent. So um, if I could ask you one thing, be open, go home today. Don't let this emotionally drain you, and don't let it take you down a road you don't want to go. It's got to come from your heart. So open up your heart. If God speaks to you, you want to get involved, come see us. Anyone that got up here today, there's different avenues for you to get involved. Because had I not, had I not, Yes, I have six children, and yes, I have 11 grandchildren, 11 and a third, basically. Um, I wouldn't have this in my arms. I wouldn't have another one on the way. Um, And to a single dad, I I go home and I think, oh, man, it's so nice to go home. I don't have any pets. I don't have anything. All I have to do is clean up whatever mess I made. But I'll tell you what, folks, um, I'm 58 years old, and it's... uh, It can get lonely. And so there's always an avenue for you to reach out that doesn't have to be permanent. But if you just open up your heart and let God open the door for you, there's an avenue that you can reach out and you can touch many, many lives. Because you're going to get to heaven someday. Somebody's going to come up, shake your hand or give you a hug. And you're not going to know that person. And they're going to say, you are a reason that my life was changed. And it doesn't get any better than that. All right, Pastor? George.
0: Sure. I'm going to ambush him just a minute. Make yourself comfortable if you would. Katie, I'm going to ambush you too. Come on up here. You may not have made the connection between Katie and Steve, but Katie is Steve's adopted daughter. And Steven, stand up, Stephen, is... is Katie's biological brother and also Steve's adopted son. You go ahead, sit down. I just want everybody to see you. I don't want to stand in front of you, too. I just want to tell you a story. Um, We've been blessed. We adopted Annika, and it's just been awesome. We had very little issues to have to deal with. But who knows what's coming? I can't imagine her ever creating any issues, but we might. You know, she's an early teenager. And you said that, you know, sometimes when you were a teenager, you could have probably been a little less challenging maybe? Uh, all the time. All the time, yeah. And here's a guy who, raised by his grandpa, I didn't know that till you were standing here. How many foster children? 23 foster children. Adopted children. I told you earlier that I had the honor of marrying uh, Katie and her husband, Thomas. Oh gosh. However long ago it was. And we went to the reception afterwards. And I knew a little bit about their story with, you know, Katie having been adopted and everything. And at the part of the wedding where the father dances with the daughter, they played this song don't play it yet. I want you to hear the song. and, I'm telling you as I'm watching this man and this woman dancing together, it was like it was three people. I could see Jesus. I could just see Jesus and then I could I could sense the Lord and how he was how The Lord was blessed by a man that would sacrifice his life for other people. Jesus says there's no greater love than that you would give your life for another. And that doesn't just mean that you'd stand in front of a bullet. That means that the things that you might have to do with your money that you could do, you don't do because you're caring for children. All these different things. And I saw a guy dancing with his daughter, with Jesus standing there with them, that had to say, God, I would do it every time over again because of the wonderful, wonderful woman that she's come to be. So if you'll just bear with me a minute, I want you to think about if if the Lord has stirred you towards adoption and all you think about is, oh, my gosh, what about this and what about that, I want you to hear this song, and I want you to picture a man and his daughter on her wedding day, okay? Please play for me.
10: Look at the two of you dancing that away, lost in the moment and each other's face so much in love you're alone in this place like there's nobody else in the world I was enough for her not long ago I was her number one. She told me so And she still means the world to me Just so you know So be careful when you hold my girl Time changes everything Life must go on I'm not gonna stand in your way I loved her first I held her first And a place in my heart From the first breath she breathed, when she first smiled at me, I knew the love of a father runs deep, and I prayed that she'd find you someday, but it's still hard to give her away, I loved her first. How could that beautiful woman with you Be the same freckle faced kid that I knew The one that I read all those fairy tales to And tucked into bed all those nights And I knew the first time I saw you with her It was only a matter. First, I held her first, and a place in my heart will always be hers. From the first breath she breathed, when she first smiled at me, I knew the love of a father runs deep. I prayed that she'd find you someday, but it's still hard to give her away. From the first breath she breathed, when she first smiled at me, I knew the love of a father runs deep. Someday you might know what I'm going through when a miracle smiles over you.
0: I loved her first Oh my, God bless you And God bless you I love you too All right, well I just want to close with this I guess I want to close with this and then that. I'm so glad. I'm so glad for every child in this place that's been adopted that God has given them to a Christian family. I'm so glad that God gave Katie to Steve so that she could grow up to know the Lord. I pray, Lord, that every Christian that you call, every one of them will stand up to that call and answer so that you can place children in families that know you and that love you. Now I want to read you a scripture. This is from John, it's chapter 1, and it starts in verse 12, and it reads like this. Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born, or excuse me, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Every one of us, if we belong to Jesus, has been adopted been grafted into his vine have been given the honor and the right it's a right it's actually the word exousia with which is authority it's the right to call god our father and i just say if there's anybody in this place today that hasn't called on jesus to be lord and savior that you would do that today so that you too could have the right to be called god your father and that you could come into his family, and he will bless you with his spirit that will teach you how to live the life of Jesus, and ultimately you could spend forever in heaven with him. So if anybody here, anybody here hasn't yet, or maybe hasn't walked away or or thinks they might have, but you're not sure, I pray that you look us up and, and let's just be sure that you belong to Jesus, Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys for sitting for so long. I hope it was worthwhile to you. I know it was so beautiful to see all these amazing testimonies and, and just pray for the little ones that don't have families, that God will find them families, and the people that he calls will say yes, and, and if it's us that will say yes, and that, that if any of you is called to adopt, that you can know that the rest of your church family will stand up and help you with a meal, with money, with whatever it takes to help you if you'll go get a little one, okay? Okay,
9: sure. There there is also, um, in foster parenting, uh, as I said, it's a season. um, And I'm going to talk to the men one more time. Gentlemen, we have a tendency to think we can fix things. I couldn't fix a thing that came into my house. All I could do was provide a place where they knew it was safe, uh, peaceful. There wasn't yelling, screaming, cussing, nothing. Because these children don't know any other way. Uh, you show them, I don't care if it's a day, a couple hours, that life doesn't have to be the way that they came out of. So while you think, well, okay, I don't want to adopt, um, foster parenting is, is, a, is another option. Um, it doesn't have to be permanent. doesn't have to be the rest of your life. And if nothing else, then seek out some of these families here again to reach out and, and take them for an afternoon. Uh, because, men, we can't fix everything. But I know that I know those 23 kids that came through my house, at least they now know that there's a different way of life out there. Amen. And and whatever God does with it is up to him. You're just to do your job. So don't at least think about it, all right? Amen.
0: All right. Well, if God stirred your heart, we have tons and tons of information We on adoption. We have foster families that can help. Um With that, I say amen to all of you. God bless and have an awesome day, okay? All right.